Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out, tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Josh Peterson and I are talking King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, as we share our thoughts on whether this will be crowned a box office champion or the clown jester. Hellboy is getting a new life on the big screen, and we speculate if this new direction for this latest comic book adaptation is truly a good move. And we deliberate over the future of Bioware and their most famous game series as we discuss the fallout from Mass Effect Andromeda. All this plus another great song from Hyperschmidt, a clip from the latest Super BS Gamescast, and Jonathan and Jess from the TV Ratings Guide return to discuss shows on the hot seat that could be renewed or given the cancellation axe. It's another mighty quest we go on today as we reach our next stop. The PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Welcome again to another edition of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend, also from Pop Culture Cosmos, and the man, the myth, and the legend from Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? Good, good. That was a very smooth intro just now. That I, I was thinking about that one because I, I want to go my usual... Well, we're back again. You know, that's well, my usual intro. I thought of something different. I, I was half expecting like some smooth jazz to start playing in the background. 
you know, or, or I could have done the usual. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. Yeah, that's been, I mean, we're expanding our markets to uh, like dentist office and stuff, so it, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, hey, you can play the show anywhere you want: dentist office, elevators, department stores. We just want to get the word out about this great show, the PCC Multiverse, and our sister show, the Monday Night Show, the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And I want to say again to everyone out there on behalf of both shows and behalf of Josh and also myself, thank you for listening to both of our shows because I'll tell you what, the ratings came out again and we're number one with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And this show, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, finished number eight, our highest ranking on this show ever as well. That's three months in a row at number one, so we truly appreciate it. It is all because of you out there. So, Josh, speaking of great things and great podcasts that, that are out there in the universe like ours, what is going on with your other project known as Mannequin Media? Uh, let's see, this coming weekend, we ha- are going to be recording a new episode of What About This? And you can catch that on Humanican Media, Podbean, uh, Facebook, YouTube, so on and so forth. Oh, we have a and new I s- think we're both on Overcast FM. Uh, Overcast FM, yep. And um, Google Play, all, all that good stuff. And also, we have another episode of Super BS being recorded tomorrow, and a new podcast called Topic Apocalypse, which... You will be able to hear the first episode this Friday, I think, is the plan. Okay, but they'll also be able, if you download this podcast, the PCC Multiverse, you will be getting it free on the back end after this one is done because we love to throw bonus episodes from Humanica Media, GameSource, Rob McCallum Films, The Wine, Women, and Words, and and you know pretty much you know and all the great entities that are out there that help support the pop culture cosmos indeed. So Josh, uh, I know there's some great things coming along this weekend. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two just did gangbusters this past week, and it, we're now firmly entrenched in the summer movie season. But there's a movie that you've been keeping an eye on, which you are really excited to see. So tell everybody out there what that is, and basically we're going to go at it as far as how well we think it will do. King Arthur, I got my tickets already. I'm going to go King, see it. Yes, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, correct? Correct, directed by Guy Ritchie, so it should be an interesting affair. So you said before in the past, one of the main reasons that's drawing you to it is Guy Ritchie because of he has a track record of films which appeal to you, is that correct? Correct, yeah. So you have Snatch, Lock, Sock, Two Smoking Barrels, uh, Rock and Roll, uh, Sherlock Holmes 1 and 2. He's, he's got a, a pretty solid lineup of films under his belt. So I will I will literally watch anything made by Guy Ritchie and Ridley Scott. But Guy Ritchie is also responsible for the new uh, Aladdin coming out. So, you know, he's he's slowly making his way up to big budget films. And uh, it started with Sherlock Holmes, and now he's working his way into Disney territory. So it's, he's definitely had an interesting career. And it looks pretty good as far as from what the trailers are outputting there. But you know, as my daughter pointed out, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't really have the highest of thoughts in regards to what King Arthur Legend of the Sword is doing right now. They're at a 24% right there on Rotten Tomatoes. So I ask you, 
critical things aside, do you think that's going to weigh heavily on the the weekend box office for King Arthur? Or do you think ultimately it'll go beyond that and be a big hit for Guy Ritchie? Uh, you know, we've talked about this before. My my opinion of Rotten Tomatoes is very low. So uh, they they cr- severely cripple movie numbers. And they I, I don't, honestly, I don't think that, this, this is the thing, since it's coming out the weekend right after Gardens of the Galaxy and right before um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to do so well. I think it'll, you know, it, it'll make money, but it's not going to be like anything stellar. I don't think that's going to be a, a bomb, though, like uh, what, what, whatever they're saying, Kong Skull Island was. I think it'll do better than that. Well, Kong Skull Island actually wasn't a bomb by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's done fairly good for, for what it was expected out of it. Mind you, it didn't reach that upper echelon of seven $800 million worldwide, I don't think. I know it's not going to win the weekend, and nor should anyone out there ask it to, because still, even with a 50 to 60% drop, you're still looking at at least 60 maybe $70 million as far as a weekend for Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's with an A cinema score as it's trending right now. If you also want to see a review, we've got a review up on our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com for Guardians of the Galaxy. But if it does anywhere near it, let's say 30, 40, 50 million, there you go. There's something at least that's a good start off right there, correct? Yeah. I've, see, this is the thing that gets me about it. They, they haven't done a very good job of marketing this film. Yeah, I, like if I weren't weren't tracking it or following it and been excited about when it comes out, like I I wouldn't have known that it was coming out this weekend just because I haven't seen a lot of posters and trailers and no, and I haven't seen the commercials really hit hard until the past forty eight hours. To be quite honest with you, as well, and I, I also wanted to make note that Kong Skull Island almost six hundred million dollars worldwide even though it's cost almost $200 million to make. So that's pretty good for, you know, for a long-term prospects. You know, it usually takes three times uh, the production budget to to really see a profitability for a movie. So it's right in that range and and with home video and whatnot could really uh, do nicely. So we'll see what happens with Kong Skull Island. But back to King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, I really think that it, it could surprise it just needs to do well internationally. If it can do anything strong internationally, I think the prospects for it long-term are really good. Here in the States, I think it's like either way, you know, where it falls as far as really something that didn't work, like Warcraft, or will it go something a little bit higher and make actually a decent chunk of change? So so definitely some, some thoughts indeed. But close out with your final thoughts, how excited you are to see King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword. It's weird because it's actually like one of the few movies that's come out this year that I've been, I, I don't want to say excited because I, I was excited to see Guardians. I'm excited to see Pirates. I'm excited to see Spider-Man and, and all those movies. But like, this is the first movie that I've been genuinely interested in. Like from a, I think it's more from like a filmmaker standpoint because I do admire Guy Ritchie a great deal. There, there's a, a pretty solid lineup of actors in this movie and, just the, the the cinematic techniques that Guy Ritchie uses is I, I love it. Like Snatch, like I, I learned a lot from Snatch. Like Snatch is one of the movies that inspired me to get into film creation. So that's kind of what I'm going into this movie hoping that you know I, I can kind of see some of the magic that captured my imagination the first time. And and it 
you know, it is like uh, an epic movie. It is something that we haven't seen in a long time. Like we, we've been so oversaturated with superhero movies and, you know, stuff that explodes Michael Bay films. Like we don't get a lot of epic uh, fantasy type movies anymore. You know, it's not, not at least not since the Hobbit ended. Well, our, our Warcraft really didn't scratch that itch. I think for anybody domestically only overseas in the far East did, did it really connect with audiences the production budget is estimated at about 175 million. So that's, you know, to give you an idea, Kong Skull Island was just only a few million dollars more. So that's a really big budget film. And, and obviously Guy Ritchie was given the resources to actually go out and make a, a big budget film. But like you, with the lack of advertising that I saw domestically here in the U S as far as internet and also television, and also film-wise, I didn't see anything in the theaters much as well in regards to trailers, even though they must have been out there, but the way they were distributed or attached to which films, maybe that was a, probably the issue as far as maybe it didn't get attached to films that I actually saw. I really want to see more as far as the, the push to, to really get this thing going out there. Whether or not it's going to be a good film or a bad film that will connect with audiences remains to be seen. What are your thoughts on King Arthur, Legend of the Sword? Let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Game Source, and Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, we got a great show lined up for you today. We got our friends back from the TV Ratings Guide and tvratingsguide.com. We're back for a, a nice conversation on shows that are on the cut line from being canceled to uh, possibly being renewed. But I also want to make sure and let everybody know we, we taped that interview earlier this week. So there is some updated information if you want to check out on their Facebook page, TV Ratings Guide, or their page directly, tvratingsguide.com. Some of the shows mentioned in our interview have already been decided upon, and I won't want to tell you right now what the fate is, You know whether or not they've got the axe or they were given a blessing for another year. But I'll let you check that out tvratingsguide.com or TV Ratings Guide on Facebook and Twitter. Great sites to go to. They're great people. That's Jonathan and Jess coming up here right after the break and also right after a song once again from Chad with Hyperschmidt. Josh, can you tell us a little bit more about your good friend Chad and his awesome group, Hyperschmidt? Yeah, Chad's a uh, local musician from this area, Orange County, and he was the former lead singer of City of Lions, a band that toured on the Warp Tour, and uh, you know several other venues for bands like that. Uh, and Hyper Schmidt is his solo project, so you know he's he's churning out music a little bit at a time. I think he's working towards getting that first uh, full length record out, but he's just been releasing songs a little bit as it goes. Uh, he's an indie music producer, so everything you hear, he's making himself, writing himself. So without further ado, enjoy. Absolutely. This is Forsaken by Hyperschmidt, and this is the PCC Multi. Stronger. I'm living without a doubt I can wait another minute longer Do you know what you were talking about? Because I think you couldn't get much stronger I'm living without a doubt Now all your followers begin to wonder Get up, we'll fight 
That's Forsaken by Hyperschmidt. Check out their great songs today on YouTube. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, everyone. If you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly or that putting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways. So if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach and get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse Channels. I'm Drew Leiter. And I'm Cleus Jacobs. We're here to tell you about our podcast, The Earth Station, DCU. 
Join us every week as we discuss the DC Universe. We talk everything DC, including comics, television, the cinematic universe, and so much more. We look forward to bringing you some great reviews and discussions. And don't forget, read read more comics. comics. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Once again, if you get a chance, check out our Monday and Friday shows on the podcast radio network, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on Monday nights, and also as well as 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific on Friday, indeed. Finally! You, finally, you, we got it. All right. Sounds, sounds great, indeed. And she just came up for us. I've got the great folks at the TV Ratings Guide. That's the TVRatingsGuide.com. And, and before we head out to anything else and any questioning on uh, as far as cancellations, uh, renewals, or anything you both want to talk about in regards to that, tell us more about the great site that is the TV Ratings Guide. Um, okay. Well, um, you know, as you might have mentioned, we uh, do the Renew Cancel for all the broadcast networks. And um, we are one of the few sites – one of two, I think, that do cable, that does cable renew and cancel index um, streaming services, and so that's unique to the site. We have um, lots of really well-written articles, like that take an in-depth look on like TV over the years, and um, later in the year we're going to be start, we're going to be starting releasing our own like shows on the site. Like um, you can like readable shows that we'll be posting on the site. So those are some things we do. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the TVRatingsGuide.com. Also, you catch them on social media at TV Ratings Guide on Facebook, of course. That I know so well and try to share a lot of stories for you guys out there. But also on Twitter. And that, Jess, uh, that leads me into what's going on with the TV Ratings as a whole. Because we were talking about earlier in our previous conversation, uh, I was talking about a lot of the great shows that are uh, as far as being available up front and whatnot. But now we're talking about the cancellations and renewals that are out there. So what are the shows that you're looking as far as that are on the fence that are still somewhat in limbo as far as whether or not they're going to be renewed or canceled? Elementary, for sure. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that one. Well, it has a big syndication deal with WGN, and we don't know whether it's going to be renewed with the syndication deal intact because i heard it makes it makes quite a bit yeah once once the show reaches so many episodes is was the magic ticket 80 or 100 for cbs it's 100 but for other channels it's 88 episodes on the cw it's 70 to 80 okay for low-rated shows okay but yeah once you get that deal like you said wgn is is uh, really done well with the elementary uh, reruns and whatnot. But, and obviously CBS owns that show. And as one of my favorite shows on the network, I would like to keep it, but I understand it's stuck in like the worst time slot imaginable on broadcast television, which is Sundays at 1030 for an hour show that really just seems kind of absurd that they did that if you didn't want to keep them on the air. But then again, like I said, they own the show it has syndication for there, but also a lot of broadcast networks as far as uh, you know, local stations all around the country. I'm sure they started started uh, syndicating that. So it is generating quite a bit of income there. 
and we don't know how the numbers as far as that's concerned with CBS All Access, or do you get those numbers for CBS All Access as of yet? No, we do not get the numbers for CBS All Access. But... Uh, wouldn't that be great? Because I, I, I'm interested to know myself, because with all, especially with all the, the, the shows upcoming that they're doing and whatnot. So, Jonathan, what are some of the other shows that you're looking forward to? I'm pretty sure that I think it's going to be a, it's it's going to be killed off. I'm hoping it's not because I love that show entirely. But what are your thoughts as far as some shows that are really on the fence between that renewal and cancellation window right there? Um, I think one of the big ones is another CBS show, Two Broke Girls. You know, that's really on the fence. I think that's probably you know on the fence the most with Elementary. I think on Netflix this season. Now, why was Two Broke Girls really on the fence? They've never been able to produce numbers like they have in the past. Was it because they don't have the strong, as strong of a lead-in and it's more dependent on the, relying on the show it actually itself? Or what are the, some of the factors with Two Broke Girls being in such peril? Um, well, you know, it's rating better than almost all of CBS's other comedies. Like in the Monday Night lineup, it's the second highest rated comedy and everything. But CBS doesn't own it, so they don't make money off of it. And it's at the end of its sixth season, so contracts are up, and you know it just might not be worth it for them. And they already have a lot of comedies renewed for next season, so yeah, that's really the reasons it's not. It's aired like a few different time slots this season, so it's kind of just shuffled around a lot. Well, fair enough. And then, but they're they're also in syndication as well, as far as you know, you know their shows. But obviously, if CBS is not garnering an income from it, then I can understand why that they would want to pull the trigger on that real quickly. Uh, Jess, what are some of the other shows maybe on the NBC, ABC, Fox, CW that, that you're looking at as far as walking that tightrope in where you're not 100% sure either way? Because if everybody out there, if you want to take a look at their index and they've got a great index on where your favorite shows are at as far as whether they're going to be renewed or canceled at the TVRatingsGuide.com. But what are some of the other shows that you're looking at that may be teetering on that very, very dangerous tightrope. Well, we have the originals and iZombie. And iZombie's in its third season, but their seasons are really short. And the originals will have 79 episodes at the end of the season. And typically on the CW, in recent history, you see shows getting canceled up to 70 to 80 episodes after four seasons. But obviously the 100 must have taken away that rule because it's really short so now the two shows i'm not 100 percent sure that they're getting renewed or canceled is those two shows fair enough indeed uh jonathan there are shows that that have been canceled that i know raised an eye from everybody as far as you know being very surprised at, at that the show is actually given the axe so what shows surprised you already that were given the axe that you thought may actually have some more life in them oh well, this season, I wouldn't really say that there were really any yet because um, nothing has been, like, canceled yet except for obvious shows, you know, like Emerald City, and um, CBS has pulled a few shows, and that, that wasn't really anything surprising. But, I, you know, I do think there were a few uh, surprising shows last year with ABC, with Castle, Nashville. Those were surprising, but um, I think we'll be getting some surprises this week, so... Were you surprised at Bones being finally put to bed? Because that was always on the fence as far as its long-term health. I mean, I wasn't really that surprised because, you know, the ratings had been dwindling for a while. And it was kind of like it was just, you know, on a cutting board. You knew it would be ending soon. And it made it got to have a final farewell season. So it wasn't that surprising. Jess, I want to talk about 
some of the shows that you're surprised they got a renewal for next year? What are some of the shows that you're surprised that got a renewal for next year on any one of the networks that are out there that, that really stick out to you? I think the ones that have stuck out to me are on CBS and Code Black has apparently got renewed despite getting low ratings and on ABC, the catch because of the Shonda connection. Okay. The Code Black especially was something I thought was going to die a horrible death, but obviously got renewed. So that is definitely surprising indeed, because when you look at it as a whole, CBS picked up a ton of shows, uh, more so than I thought would be and then they left to some off the plate elementary like i said i'm not surprised either which way despite my love for it um jonathan what about the actual criminal minds deal and criminal minds beyond borders can you clarify if what the status of both is right now uh well criminal minds got renewed a few weeks back so you know that one's safe it's doing pretty well but um it's spinoff series it had a mediocrely rated first season but it, it did enough to get renewed and then it premiered this season, and it's just the ratings really just haven't been there, and it's not looking like it'll be able to come back based on the ratings. You know, it's been fractional for most of its run this season. Okay, that's what I wanted a clarification on, because out there, at first, CBS took a whole group of shows and renewed them all at one time, and Criminal Minds and Criminal Minds Beyond Borders were not among that list. So you're saying Criminal Minds, the show, actually did did get picked up for next season. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it did. Um, okay. So it, it was after the mass removal, but it did. Yeah, because I, I remember that. They, I remember the big group that got at one time that they did a press release on. I just didn't make, know for sure if that was actually uh, going to be actually hanging on. So, so Beyond Borders is yeah beyond that borderline, and now it's going to going the way of the dodo, I guess. And as far as that's concerned, so so um, yeah. that being said. Jess, I was talking earlier with Jonathan about shows this summer coming out that that you're really looking forward to. So, what are the shows coming out this? this you know, I know we mentioned uh, maybe one or two, but what are some of the shows that you're looking forward to coming up in these summer months, making a big imprint with audiences? I did mention Unreal, and I think I was also watching Mary Kills People, but I kind of dropped that. But at the end of the thing, I was looking at more of the unscripted area on cable you got wow and out coming out for a ninth season and sometime in june and then you have other shows coming out like good behavior that premiere date is to be announced i I was worried about the ratings on that one uh i thought the ratings were not going to be able to merit another season but they they still seem to have some faith with that series along with what you were talking about earlier, Jonathan, and then the shows that they're going to be adding on to it. What are some of the FX shows that you see basically getting uh, some more notoriety now at this point in time? Because Fargo just came out. I know that as far as pretty solid critical reception. I don't know how it's doing rating wise. Can you let, inform us exactly how, how that one's doing? Fargo, you know, it's on the channel. It has American Horror Story and the new hit Legion. Those are you know, do, did really well, so they're way above its league. But um, as of the first few numbers for the season, it's doing decent. I mean, it, it still has a good chance of getting renewed for another season. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. 
Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Film. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire. The AMC, uh, as far as, because I, I was talking with Jonathan earlier about the, you know, the future of The Walking Dead, because even though it's the highest rated show on cable, there's some, you know, obviously having some issues in regards to declining ratings and whatnot. But what are some of the shows that, that you think on AMC that are going to go long term? Because Into the Badlands just got picked up for another season. Uh, what are some of the things that you're hearing about The Sun? Uh, Better Call Saul and, and, and some of the other programs on AMC. I was thinking that Into the Badlands may go on for a few more seasons, but but I also still think that The Walking Dead still has a little bit of juice in it despite declining ratings. Its ratings are still good enough to get renewed. Definitely. I mean, it's still the, the leading show on, on all networks as far as they're, they're still achieving the highest ratings overall. But I noticed there's, there's still a sharp decline in these. So maybe in the future might be something to look at. Uh, I, I know, uh, Jonathan, I know when it comes to The Walking Dead and people are so high on The Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead is still a show that has never quite measured up to the initial success and prolonged success of its Big Brother series. So what are your thoughts going into Fear the Walking Dead as it opens up for another season? Do you think it's actually going to be able to survive? Um, well, you know, as you mentioned, it's never been as well high as what rated as uh, its parent series, but, you know, it's still done pretty decently. Like, I believe last season it had got ratings you know, in the low ones, which is still better than, you know, a lot of shows airing on broadcast network. So if they can, you know, stay around that or even hoover around 0.7, you know, high fractionals, it, it still is a really good shock. Those are still good ratings for cable. Uh, definitely. I just, as far as the cost ratio, I know when it, if it does go below one, I think that might be a little bit of concern because the fact this show does cost quite a bit because of its different locations and whatnot especially when they go and they branch off between the main characters, one's going here and there, whatnot. I know, I know it could be quite pricey, but because they, they have a budget similar to what, what the walking dead does, but doesn't really have the, the same numbers. Indeed. I'm going to go on close off the, the last part of the, the conversation here with one question I want to ask both of you. And that's basically Jess, I'll start off with you. What do you see as far as, maybe this show that that people need to really get into that they can binge watch over the summer that maybe was missed by audiences uh, initially during the fall or maybe spring campaign. What's the one show you need them to binge watch during this summer season? Because shows are not going to be as plentiful out there and and people will have a chance to catch up. Crazy ex-girlfriend, the critical darling. Okay, crazy ex-girlfriend indeed. Uh, uh, thank goodness I don't have any out there, but that's that's definitely a, a nice thing to, to you know as far as it's concerned. We're going to have to go ahead and binge watch on that, of course, because I know you're such a big CW fan out there. Uh, that's what I was telling Jonathan. I was like, I, I know she likes the CW. I, I know she likes the CW. So, um, and I know we were talking about iZombie uh, not not uh, being maybe able to be long term, but I know. The CW actually has a lot of great shows indeed that people should uh, keep an eye on, but definitely looking for a crazy ex-girlfriend to binge on indeed. Jonathan, if there was one 
show, you had to tell people you've got a target and you've got to binge watch so that you can get prepped for the season upcoming. What show would that be? Um, definitely good behavior on TNT. You know, it didn't rate that well for its first season. It was lucky to get new for a second. That was just a really good show, and people need to binge it, in my opinion. Seen a couple episodes. I actually kind of liked it, but I saw the ratings on it getting 0.3s, uh, 0.2s, and 0.3s, if I, if I um, remember correctly. It was mainly 0.2s. I think it mirrored to 0.3, and then I don't think it went back up over that. Exactly, and I know there were other shows like The Last Ship, and also as well, um, the librarians, which were garnering higher numbers, um, slightly higher numbers indeed that were retained. So good behavior getting retained was a kind of a surprise, but definitely, like I said, it's, it's definitely a show that people need to binge on and catch up on because it's, it's definitely worth watching. So one last time, uh, where could people go to find all the great stuff that's going out there? Because I'll tell you what, one million plus views on your site and congratulations to both of you and, and everyone out there that's that works on the TV ratings guides.com because it's just a great, great uh, honor indeed to go over that plateau. But tell us exactly what you have you guys got working on? What do you guys do as far as you guys do so many reviews and whatnot? But what does the TV ratings guide.com mean to everybody out there as far as a, a place to go on the internet? Jonathan, I'll start with you. You know, I think it's just like a really different rating site. Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of rating sites, but, you know, they really just stick to, you know, ratings and an occasional review cancel and different article. But, you know, we do the ratings and we do so much more than that, reviews, um, really great articles. And I think we're just a really great site with lots of different features. And Jess, uh, one last thing. What do people need to know about it? That Why is it a must-visit site for everything TV ratings. We have off topics. Okay. And that what what does that does what does that entail? I mean I know what it is because I, I said I share often as far as concerned, but what does that entail as far as you know what why should people go and check out all the reviews, all the off topics? What what does that entail when you're when you're talking about off topics in those articles? Off topic is a place where we talk about TV related stuff that's not related to ratings. And sometimes films and whatnot. Sometimes we have film reviews that are very in-depth. We do have a guest blogger that comes up, Virtual Squall, Scroll, I meant, and he occasionally gives movie reviews. Okay, and, and what else about the TVsRatingsSite.com makes it a can't-miss site for everybody out there on the Internet? Besides the off-topic, we do have a Renew Cancel site. I do the CW Renew Cancel watch, and... As right now, the the originals in iZombie are down to the wire, and it's really hard. Uh, indeed, indeed. They do have your Renew Cancel Index, something that people need to keep a focus on constantly because the, the ratings are always in flux as far as TV ratings are concerned. And there's no better way to cover it than checking out the tvratingsguide.com website. That's tvratingsguide.com or also check out their amazing Facebook and Twitter pages at tvratingsguide.com. We here at Pop Culture Cosmos try to share, uh, you know, some of the stories that that are that are going down from from their awesome site and their awesome writing and that we just truly appreciate them anytime they want to stop by on the show. It's just truly amazing that they take the time indeed to share that wealth of knowledge that they have in regards to everything going on within the TV spectrum. 
Jonathan, Jess, it's been a great pleasure having you on both our Monday and Friday shows. I appreciate you checking in with, with both those shows. It's, it's really just a pleasure as always. And before the fall season hits, you guys are going to come back on, right? I mean, I, I definitely think there's that's the plan. I mean, I think we even discussed doing another one pretty soon. So Sweet, sweet, because I'll definitely have a list of, you know, what about this show? What about this show? What about this show? You, you probably going to get tired of me, uh, you know, probably saying so much. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Inhumans already coming to ABC, but that, that's, you know, just the marble buff in me. Uh, but Jess uh, and, and also Jonathan, thank you so much for being part of the PCC Multiverse. Thank you. Uh, no worries. No worries indeed. We're just glad to have you aboard and, and checking out everything on the Pop Culture Cosmos show on our Monday show and also the PCC Multiverse on our Friday show as well. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here along with my good friend from Pop Culture Cosmos and Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. We want to thank everybody out there for listening. Again, we truly appreciate you making us the number eight show on the podcast radio network, our highest ranking ever and also our Monday show, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network, the number one show on the network. And we're just really just overwhelmed, blessed. It's been three months in a row. We're at number one, and we just can't – I can't believe it. That, you know, so many people want to hear Josh and I talk all this pop culture, so we're truly blessed indeed. If you do not get a chance to be able to listen to us on the Podcast Radio Network and you want to stay up to date on all of our shows – Check us out on the Pop Culture Cosmos channels. Just type that in on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, and the Gun and Geek Network as well. And we hope to add you know more radio stations and more networks as well. And if you're interested in adding us to your schedule, if you're listening out there, radio programmers, podcast station, podcast network programmers, let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. So we got a great thing to, to ask you, Josh, as far as what's coming up in this segment. And we truly appreciate, by the way, I thank you again to Jess and Jonathan from the TV Ratings Guide for stopping by on both our Monday and Friday broadcasts. Check their site out, tvratingsguide.com. It came across the wire that there was some good news and bad news in regards to one of your favorite characters, Hellboy. That's right. Some good and bad news. So I'll let you share both the good and bad news in regards to Hellboy is concerned while I answer Plasma Z, who's being so gracious to line up some music for us for next week's show. Yeah, they're remaking Hellboy with, uh, what's, what's the guy's name from Stranger Things? David Harbour. So he played Chief Hopper in Stranger Things, but they are uh, Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy trilogy is officially 
dead. So, um, you know, and they, there was that thing going around Instagram and uh, not Instagram, but uh, Twitter and whatnot about how he's going to talk to Ron Perlman, talk to Mike Manola about uh, Mike Manola is the actual writer, creator of Hellboy about how he was going to get that third Hellboy movie going. And now it seems that because this is so soon after that, this is the reason why we're not going to be seeing an end to Guillermo's uh, Hellboy trilogy. But so the news is this, the news is it's being rebooted with a R rating and a, uh, it's going to be called Hellboy rise of the blood queen. And it's going to be a, a far darker Hellboy story. So this is this is what I think about it. I think that it's it's tragic that we're not going to get to see the end of Guillermo del Toro's movie, but it's also awesome that Hell because this is Hellboy right now is the superhero movie that we or the comic book movie that we need to see because the market is so oversaturated right now with superhero movies. And, and granted, yes, I I do still go to watch them, so I'm not saying anything bad about them, but. But then again, Hellboy fits in the line of where Deadpool, I guess, goes to that. Not want to say antihero, but he's an antihero, don't you an think? Anti- yeah, but he doesn't like. I I don't. Yeah, he's he's kind of he's he's an antihero. He's he comes as he's destined to do evil things, but he rebels against that evil nature, and that's why I think this is this is a comic book movie that actually has some story. It's not going to rely on explosions and uh you know cool yeah it needs like cool special effects but it's not going to rely on explosions and you know a uh, introducing new characters into different things for different movies it's actually it's got rich backstory it's got great characters it's got that internal conflict of good versus evil he's destined to destroy the earth but he wants to save it and it's a i'm really excited about it because i i loved guillermo del toro's two hellboy movies but i think that this is you know, it's going in a direction that is kind of goes coincides more with the comic books than uh, the first two movies. So, so you don't mind going at a little bit harder edge as far as R rating type deal because that seems to be the trend in Hollywood. Let's you know, if it's not a main tier Marvel Cinematic Universe, DC Cinematic Universe, let's go ahead and just make it an R rated film. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I think that's good because I. I don't think that they're going to make it R as in like, you know, making Hellboy say vulgar and uh, overly, you know, sexualized things. I think it's going to be R in the fact that it's going to be more of a horror movie. Like you're going to see uh, a lot of, uh, you know, dark, you're going to see a lot of monsters. You're going to see a lot of gore, but Hellboy also using a lot of language. Yeah. But in the comic books, he, he, he occasionally uses language, but he, it's not like Deadpool or something, you know, he's just, he, he has his one-liners, his little quips, but I, I think the R rating's focusing more on just that darker side of Hellboy as a comic book, as the story, the, the universe that he exists in. So you overall, you're excited for this turn of events, but even though you're disappointed that Del Toro and obviously Ron Perlman as well will not be able to further continue the series? I'm excited because I this is a... a franchise that I didn't think would ever get rebooted and Guillermo del Toro has taken so long he's he's led us along he's promised us stuff never delivered he, he hardly delivers on it so I love the guy but he hardly ever delivers on anything but it seems about. so quick after the determination was you know okay Hellboy 3 is Nick this, and it seemed like a month why, later I, we're already I, talking about a reboot this is the re- I think this is the reason why the Hellboy 3 never went through because Mike Manola had 
this had, this had to have been planned. Like this was probably in the works for a really long time because if they're already getting ready to shoot in September, this is probably, they've been planning this for a while. So that must've meant there, there was a script already done. Maybe Del Toro had even seen it, but he is not even associated with the project. Is that correct at all? Any shape, form, not even as a pro- executive producer or producer at all. Yeah. Right. He, he, him, both him and Ron Perlman are out for, for good or for sure. I think. Yeah. That part is disappointing because maybe it would be nice to at least get his blessing on it. So maybe at some point they'll 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 ask for his blessing in some form or fashion so that they can garner more of those Hellboy fans. But you're you're right, it's gonna be obviously decidedly different from the original two that we've that we've seen and and for in your case have loved so much. And and in my case I thought it was very good, very solid superhero telling. I, I really liked the way Ron Perlman handled the role. I like the quirky side characters and the, and the and the the you know his fellow crime fighters, quote unquote. I just I like the I like the nuances and I liked also the interplay that they had. The stories themselves may have not panned out the way I wanted it to. Maybe that's why I didn't hold the interest for me. But I thought his character throughout both films was really the you know the, the original and the Golden Army were just really just made it worthwhile to see and if you ever catch it on tv please i recommend it uh it's it's pretty solid entertainment for me and i know you really think it's great as well josh what what are your thoughts on a return to hellboy as far as him returning to the silver screen share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop culture cosmos on facebook humanican media on facebook and also Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well for each and every one of those entities. So definitely uh, send us along your thoughts on a new Hellboy coming to theaters sometime very soon. Welcome to the PCC, the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're home for, you know, everything pop culture and, uh, you know, whatever we decide to throw at you. And now we have a clip from the latest Super BS Gamescast. I I get it. They it, don't want people making their games. See, no, I, I understand whatever. that. But, like, a lot of these people who make these, like, knockoff games that, are really talented. I don't know why they don't I, scout them instead I don't, of, like... Yeah, well, maybe they well, do. Nintendo wouldn't do it because they're just... Their heads are inside their butts. Yeah. So it's so like... buttholes and they can't like, see oh, out man. their buttholes. Right up there. Yeah. Like, we've... Like, there's a whole internet thing about this Metroid remake that everyone would want What's, to play. Like, why don't internet? we make it? <laughs> yeah, right? And they're like, they're like, nah, we've got this game called Splatoon. It'll satisfy yeah. all our Metroid fans. Donna, what's the internet? <laughs> no, it's it is really dumb. They're gonna do that constantly. I the main thing I don't get is why these makers keep making this. Why don't they make their own games? They're like really really talented, and I get that they love the properties. Well, I mean, but at the end of the day, can these people just make those games for themselves and play them? Yeah, they can. I mean, that's a, this, that's what they do. This and is then, the thing, though, about this, this goes back to what we were always talking about with Nintendo. Like people, that, yes, they could make their own games, but. Unless it has like a Nintendo, people won't even really care about it unless it has like some sort of popular name brand attached to it. That's the Super BS Gamescast, available now on all Humanican Media outlets.
And we're back for the final segment of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, the man you just heard in the last segment with the Super BS Gamescast from Humanica Media and Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Josh Peterson. And Josh, we're going to talk about Bioware. When I set out everything and I sent you all the notes, we were going to talk about Bioware in a statement by EA having their game delayed, the game that they're working on next, which is still not out in the wild as far as name or what type of game it is. Coming out in 2018 at the earliest, so it's been delayed. But also the news has come out through Kotaku, IGN, and other sources that the disappointment in regards to Mass Effect Andromeda, both critically and sales-wise, and a lot to do with that had to do with the bad word of mouth in regards to all the stuff that went on with the animations and, and basically the storytelling, the narrative issues, and, and basically the game structurally as a whole not really being there and not living up to the previous iteration standards, in my opinion, and I think a lot of others as well. Well, EA is... is kind of wavering on on the Mass Effect saga right now, and it looks like from, from all appearances that Bioware Montreal is now becoming a support studio and that the Mass Effect series has put been put, for all intents and purposes, outside of some DLC and some touch-ups on the actual game itself. The series as a whole has been put on hiatus. So hearing the news of what's going on with Bioware right now and seeing how one game, one game, that doesn't get you know, the standards that it, that it deserved has already put Bioware in a precarious position. After all these years of success, one game has really turned the tide in, uh, against Bioware. What's going on in your opinion with Bioware? Do you see the tide turning? And what's in store for the Mass Effect series? See, this, this topic kind of angers me because I think that it's 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 our fault. It's the gamer's fault. It's the reviewer's fault. It's the journalist's fault. Bioware, yes, the game was not ready to be released, but we bashed it and we trashed it and we gave it so much crap that if Bioware just got to the point where they didn't want to deal with it anymore, and I think that if we if we hadn't have been so negative towards it, then they would you know they'd still want to keep trying to fix it and they'd still want to put out another game. But at the same time, it's I don't like the idea of them being like oh, hey, this game wasn't good, so let's just, you know, sweep it under the rug and pretend it didn't happen. Because Mass Effect is a great game, and I really wanted more of it. Like, it's, I, I mean, not Andromeda is not a great game, but, like, you know, they, there was still, no, nothing's perfect coming out the gate. And this is a massive game, their first Mass Effect on the this generation of consoles. And I think that, you know, they need to stick with it instead of just giving up on it as a whole. You actually played and finished Mass Effect Andromeda. What were your thoughts on the game as a whole? And do you think Mass Effect deserves a better fate than it's currently getting? Oh, heck yeah, I think it deserves a better fate. It's, I honestly, to me, like, it was no, it was no worse than Mass Effect 3 was, like, as far as, like, disappointments go. Yeah, the facial animations and there are a few, um, you know, things as far as social issues that they didn't handle too delicately. But, you know, you make mistakes and you learn and you move on. But they're, they're, they're just moving on completely. They're they're taking this game and they're just not making it anymore. Allegedly, 
allegedly, or at the very earliest, you won't see it until the 2020s, which is a shame because I, I think they should really get on the horn and get to it and, and actually sit right down and make a good Mass Effect game and turn it out as quick as possible to get the bad taste of their mouths. Right. And whatever happened, all this controversy and stuff like that. Because Mass Effect Andromeda, if it had been if it had been called another name, it wouldn't not have garnered all the ill will amongst all these gamers. Like you said, amongst the press and whatnot, it would have sold maybe nicely, you know, comparative to to what it was expected, and and maybe there'd be a, a nice future for it, even with all the issues. But because it had the Mass Effect title attached to it, the expectations were so much higher, and it. In that sense, I don't think it delivered, and unfortunately, and I'm very sad to see what the current fate is of Mass Effect and the future for the Mass Effect series indeed. So if you were at EA right now and you had control, because I like to put you in charge of all these companies, and I hope you're getting a check for all these. You yeah, know, no, I, I own stock in like 12 different companies right yeah, now. So. so I hope you're getting residuals. So if that's the case... You know, you see the results of Mass Effect drama. So, what would you be doing right now with the Mass Effect saga as it pertains to right now? I would be listening to the fans. I'd find out what the fans want. I'd, you know, re-examine the game as a whole and see what worked and what didn't. Actually, have gamers sit down and talk about it. And I, I would keep going with it because by the time if I were to put this on the back burner for say five or six years people are going to lose interest in it. Like it, it was already, um, you know, people were excited about having a new mass effect, but I think they would have been okay without it. But, and now that this one has come out to so much negativity, they're going to put it on the back burner and people are going to lose interest. Cause look at, look at how many, like we got halo coming out. We've got, you know, obviously new call of duty, new assassins, creed, red dead redemption. Like we've got all these big games coming out. Nobody's going to care about what happens to Mass Effect if they put it off for a long time. But I think they should be striking now while the iron's hot and while people are still expecting more Mass Effect to come out and they have the ability to change and pay attention. I, if, if I were EA, I would keep focusing on Mass Effect. It's, I think it's possible for them to put two games out at the same time because they were there for a long time. They were putting out Mass Effect and Dragon Age and both of those games turned out all right. But if you're laying blame everywhere which uh, there is a lot of blame to lay in a lot of different places with, with gamers who streamed it to, you know, in the shape that's in people who voice their opinions, maybe a little bit too early, the press for, for jumping on it like a hot potato and then jumping off of it, like an even hotter potato. And then you have EA and Bioware for not having this product ready and EA for allowing this product to go in an unfinished state. And then also as well, steadfastly refusing to go ahead and refamiliarize fans or even garner new ones by not reintroducing him back to the world in a remake fashion for the new latest consoles. That I think was a, a, a lame move, uh, number one. I think they should have done that. That would have been some really good sales and a really great way to introduce people to the Mass Effect universe. And also as well, you know, you're talking about all the things when it comes to Mass Effect. Uh, Mass Effect is a saga spread over three episodes like the last one. I think you should have made it in that same general time frame as, as Shepard. I think, you know, you didn't have to put Shepard in it, but maybe some like his son or, or, or daughter or, or what have you. Something in a general time frame that people were familiar with because they really liked being in that time frame. 
obviously when they jumped 600 years ahead into a vastly new universe, that was on the surface. You thought, oh, that's great. That's, that's, sounds like an awesome meal. But I think people really wanted more of just the Mass Effect universe that they were f- already become familiar with and that gamers truly, truly enjoyed. They threw them completely a left turn in this uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, see, for Mass Effect Andromeda, the the story was the biggest disappointment for me. Like even more than all the other junk, I didn't really notice till you know it was being made a, a big deal made of. But the the, the story was just bad. Like it, it, I didn't really. By the time the game ended, I could care less about any of the characters and. We cared about so many of the characters, not only Shepard himself or herself, because if you played FemChef, which was really, FemChef was really popular as well, you had all the support characters, which really people really wanted to make sure they kept alive in Mass Effect 2 and, and really came to know and to really appreciate it and enjoy. They were all really just a pleasure to play and, and interact with in the Mass Effect series, and I saw none of that this time around. So it's really a shame. I I really think it would have been great if they would have kept it in that same general time frame, the same general universe, you know, obviously meeting a lot of new characters, but also re-familiarizing yourself with a lot of the same familiar characters that you've grown to love in the first three installments. I really think that could have been a great bridge to, to really another great trilogy in the Mass Effect series. And unfortunately, in many ways, they missed the mark. What are your thoughts out there on the Mass Effect Andromeda fiasco? Do you want to see them reignite the Mass Effect series sooner rather than possibly later and maybe even never? Do you think that BioWare's new IP being delayed for another year is is a problem? Do you see it as a sign as BioWare maybe hitting some hard times? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well. Game Source and Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. And while I have you here, Josh, let everybody know before we head on out what's going on again with Humanican Media. Oh, we got a few podcasts coming up. We have Super BS Episode 11 records tomorrow. What about this? Record Saturday. And the premiere of Topic Ocalypse will be on uh, this week sometime. You'll be able to download it at the end of this episode as well. So, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff coming up. So for Josh Peterson, This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.
Welcome to the first ever episode of Topic Apocalypse, where four, sometimes five, educated and or opinionated individuals gather around this table to discuss random topics for your amusement and ours. I'm joined here by Eddie, Kelly, and Daniel. Can't see their faces because this is not a video. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get us started here with a topic that. I was inspired to talk about from, not inspired, more like angered towards talking about on Facebook. So I want to talk about animal cruelty and more specifically people posting animal cruelty videos on Facebook. Do you think that they cause more harm than they do really good? Because this is my thing, the video that, more specifically the video I saw was a PETA video of people... um, hurting seals like i guess the the seal population grow t- grew too high and they're saying hey it's you know do same thing like we do with coyotes and stuff but they're like hey you can um go out and kill seals so basically people are going out and killing these seals but there's these videos now popping up of these seals like flailing on the ice and there's blood pouring out of their mouths and stuff because people are killing them but it's like okay you're posting this what is the point like Yes, animal cruelty sucks, and yes, I'm I'm angry. I'm, I'm definitely mad about seeing this video. But what am I going to do about it? Am I going to fly to Alaska to personally stop this? I don't I don't have the funds. And what are you doing about this personally? If you're, you know, if you're going to post something, you tell me what you're doing to stop it. So I think it a lot of it depends on who's coming up with the videos that you're watching. Of course, PETA. I mean, they have an agenda. They're oriented towards driving you to hate anything that hurts an animal, period. I think I watched a video a few months ago, and I, th- I think it may be there. It was pulled. It was about fishing with your children, about how you shouldn't do it because it's it's horrible on the ecosystem, and it, it hurts the fish, and you shouldn't introduce your son or daughter to anything fishing because it's terrible. So I think it, it really depends on who's coming out with that video. PETA, again, is that's their goal is to get you to donate to them, to get you to help them fight against animal cruelty. But I don't think necessarily it's a bad thing. As PETA, they do go overboard sometimes as the perfect example I just gave you. But I think there's so much news that's given to us on a daily basis. There's so much in our Facebook feeds and our news feeds from other social media that I guess sometimes it's good to be reminded of that, probably in not such a graphic way on some of them. Um, but yeah, I think there's just so much information out there and sometimes it is nice to see a video pop back up and kind of remind us, Hey, this is what's going on this in the world. Happened. Like my thing is like where this, this brings me back to like online activism in in general. Like you have all these people, like I can sit behind a keyboard all day and I can point, you know, I can post videos. I can say like, Hey, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's racist. This is racist. That's, uh, you know, homophobic or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, like, I, I don't want to post something like that unless I'm personally doing something to, to stop it. Like, if I'm donating money to a charity, I'm like, hey, stop uh, stop human trafficking. Donate whatever you can spare. Like, I would do something like that, but at the same... Because, on, on, you know, if it weren't something I was donating money to or personally had a stake in, like, I, it, it, I have a hard time, like, stirring the pot. Just doing it for the purpose of making people mad, you know? It's almost like you're, they're glorifying it, too. That's all PETA does, though, is fear-mongering. Yeah. They don't actually benefit really anybody. But I think that's yeah. where their big donations come from, is is I think people literally just donate because they think that is going around, you know, making these injustices, you know, brought to our attention. I mean, 
I don't think any of us are all stupid. I think we all know that they're there. So, I mean, they're they're just bringing it back around. Hey, just to let you know, we already know you know this, but here, here's some more for you. Right, right. So. So, it, it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw that video and, like, I keep, I keep seeing more because I have friends who subscribe to PETA and they keep posting videos. But it's, um, you know, I, I just wanted to lay that out there and see what you guys thought of that issue. I think it depends on the organization. Yeah. I, I think it really does. I mean, I think PETA's mostly um, trying, they try to scare people. They want, like, they go against um, wool here in America where they're saying that, you know, our farmers are herding their sheep. But if anybody wants the sheep to do fine, it's probably the person whose well-being relies on getting money for what they're doing. Yeah. Well, you also look at today's sheep. I mean, most of them aren't, they're, they're engineered to grow wool at that rate. They're bioengineered that way. That's why the way we've, we've set them up. Um, so if we don't, you know, obviously harvest the wool off of them, then it overgrows and it they just wind up suffocating or they can't move and they can't feed themselves. So, but anyways, I don't think it's just about PETA though. I think there's obviously other organizations that are out there that are doing this. Um, but I think it's just going to continue on and I don't think it will ever change. Yeah. And there, there's nothing wrong with raising attention to an issue, but like if you're, just like a lot of people, especially when it comes to like social media, they'll post things just for reactions. Well, especially, oh yeah, it's, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be about religion. It could be about animals. It doesn't matter. I think people, and a big thing is, I don't think people do research on it. I think they say, oh my gosh, look at PETA or whoever named, you know, huge amount of followers. Oh, they, they posted this on their Facebook. Well, I'm not going to research it myself. I'm just going to share it and throw it right on my Facebook and... There I go. I've done my duty for the day. I've raised awareness. We we are a society of spontaneous knowledge. Anytime something pops up on the internet or newsfeed or it's trending, people are going to be like, yes, I know everything about this. And they will just plaster your newsfeed with all of a sudden they've developed this belief in something they don't know anything about. Oh, no, not at all. I, the f- funny thing, I have a friend I went to uh, private school with. And we we're it was a Christian school. We were raised Christian. And he he subscribes to this webpage that's purely about selling clothes, but they come up with the awfulest memes about crap that doesn't even make sense. They're they're like, oh, and God said this. And I asked him one time because he kept posting it, and one of our uh, high school ministers were on there, and he's he's always you know tagging him and hey, what do you think about this? What what proof is there for this? You know. And it got to the point where I asked them, like, you know, none of the stuff that they're actually posting, they're just memes. They're not true. They're just trying to get you to buy a t-shirt. But that's our mentality now. That You see a meme, they're pushing something at, like an agenda on you, yeah. but they want you to buy something. But we see memes, and it's a perfect example. We see memes, and they're automatically true. Even though they're totally never meant to be true at and all. There are like times when people are having arguments online and instead of like responding rationally to it they'll pop a meme up there mm-hmm. and they, they won't even it that's their comeback is a meme or it's like a chicken moving its head or something that one went around the internet forever and just annoyed the crap out of me but a great one's michael jackson eating popcorn yes i'm just here to watch the comments yes exactly so i, I mean i know we and it's and it's amazing to see how passionate people are behind a keyboard. Yeah. I wonder if, like, you know, sometimes when I see a news article, I, I saw one today I th- we were talking about earlier about the three pit bulls that got out and ate someone's dog, attacked a 52-year-old, and two of them had to be shot. It was amazing 
the people that were getting on, and I'll open a news article just solely to read the comments about what some of these people will just get on there and say. And you sit there, and it's like, the first things out of there was, this lady put a picture of her pit bull, and she's like, oh, see, my pit bull's nice. It's, it's just in how you, you know, an owner is. And then the next article under that was somebody posted about pit bulls are the worst breed you can get. So it's amazing to watch people go back and forth and think they're right. On, on a social media standpoint. Because in real life, I don't think a lot of us would sit there and argue a point with that in public. Yeah. I think we'd just kind of be like, okay, cool, yeah, I understand that. Whereas behind a keyboard, we become so much more... And it, the craziest thing is, is we could research this. You could see a meme. In two seconds, you can get on Google or you can get on whatever search engine and start looking for all these references. It's not like you have to go to a library to look for anything. But people won't take the time to do that. They are literally no, sitting no. behind some of the best technology that has ever existed, and they will not do research. It's what they believe. It's it's what they feel, yeah. and they'll they'll defend that to the so team. Emotional over it. We literally have the world at in the palm of our hand. Yeah, you know? yeah. Most people Google. carry a computer in their pocket stronger than we use to put a man on the moon. Yeah, exactly. And so we're we're just not using this stuff because we're too lazy. Like we this this is like. I have nothing like I obviously we like podcasting, but people it's gotten to the point where people don't want to read news; they they would rather listen to it or watch a video. Like, yeah, quick. like that's why a lot of these uh, like IGN or Polygon they make these videos that show quick snippets of what happened in the news that day, so people just watch then get an entire day's worth of news in less than a minute. Oh, Snapchat! I mean, you could pull up any news station you want, CNN, rifle through. People don't even read the articles. They just watch the Snapchats and up. Oh. Or just the headlines even. Exactly. Yeah. Just the headline, yeah. Okay, I know what happened today. No. Yeah. But I, we, had, yeah. We, had a, we had a guy at work today. He was one of our customers. And he was getting into the whole, you know, big politic thing. Like, oh, you know, call me this. And I can't believe he did, you know, Trump would do this. And I'm like, well, why did he get fired? Well, because Trump didn't like him. I'm like, well, what was the specific reason? I'm curious. He had no idea. He just... His mindset was, oh, I saw this small clip. He thought, you know, what his thoughts were. Those were what were important. Those were facts in his eyes. And he just went on. I, I could care less either yeah, way. I was just yeah. curious, why? Yeah. I don't, I could care less about politics. Republicans, Democrats, they're all the same to me. I mean, so. you know, you get a lot of that on both sides too. Like you have for one side for Democrats it, or the, the left liberal or whatever you want to call it. It's anytime something is deemed as possibly being racist, then there's just this whole storm of people with pitchforks ready to burn your house and set your sheep on fire. And then you have, on the right side, you have any time there's like, you know, back when Obama was in office, they were like, um, you know, this is going to endanger your right to bear arms. And then it's just a, a whole, you know, storm on that side too. It's just, we, but we don't actually research like what's, what's going on. Like what, what is the, the fine print on these little, uh, these little headlines that keep popping up. We're just going to post it to piss people off that's just that's what it is it's, it's clickbait and it's yeah i don't think people actually click to read news articles in their news feed on facebook i think no. people see the news article they read the headline and move on yep. i think and the that's... brief summary they'll have on there mm-hmm. yeah and then it's and then it's all day it's festering and it's like can you believe so and so did this well why did they do it no that doesn't matter they did it yeah yeah and and more often than not, I think most people are uneducated on that too. They probably didn't even see the headline. So they're, you know, that's like me coming to you. Oh, did you hear about this? I saw this in the news. Your assumption is I watched the whole news, you know, watch the whole news <laughs> segment. Right. I have these facts for you. Instead, I'm just going to BS you and tell you what actual my thoughts are. And that's not even, 
I think that's where we that's where we've come as a as a new society is a lot of these news anchors is is what they believe. It's yeah, not necessarily yeah. it's it's a developing story, but all that saying is is oh no, we're just there's tossing re- it out there. There's yeah. really no such thing as unbiased news. Like you can't no. the moment that you say it's like when people say, "Hey, I don't see color." The moment that you say, "I don't see color," you're you're recognizing that there is it's color. color. You're, <laughs> you're like the moment you're saying, "Hey, I'm unbiased about this." You're recognizing your own bias towards it. Yeah, that's why I watch CNN. I'll watch Fox News. I'll watch MSB. I'll watch a bunch of different news article or news outlets. So you get all, and I'll just take it. the center of that all and yeah. say, okay, this is where you know these are the facts that they're all stating. That so that's the facts, not opinions. Yeah. Or you just uh, and, it, watch... and it sucks. You have to do that. It, yeah. it really does. Or you just watch BBC because they hate all Americans. Yeah, so you get, so you get the real news. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. You know, it's it's getting to that point where you know. I watch V for Vendetta and you see like state run television. Yeah. And it's like eventually, you know, with the way that fake news keeps going around, quote unquote, it, it's going to come a time where, you know, somebody's going to step in and you know what? We need state controlled TV. That way we know for a fact you're getting the real news. Jeez, can you imagine when that like. Well, look at after the election. The You know, one of the reasons that Hillary, you know, lost one of the popular theories of many is because of fake news. Yeah. So Facebook came out. What was it, Zuckerberg? And he was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna tackle fake news." Well, how do you tackle it? I mean, they have a hard enough time monitoring their streams for Facebook Live. I mean, look at all people the people are killing people on Facebook. Oh Live. yeah, people are killing and people. About people fake are. News. I'm sorry. That's... People are raping people, and they yeah. can't control that. But they're gonna control fake news. I just don't. It goes back to like it's it's all an agenda. You know, PETA has their agenda. Greenpeace has their agenda. It's it's who's pitching their agenda that day. And you see, on Facebook, I had to anything PETA. I just I don't even. I, the last video I watched, there was the fishing video where it's you know you're you're horrible person for taking your son fishing and showing him how to fish. And then another one was oh um, car makers using leather. It's it's terrible. Okay, well. Most of it's synthetic leather. Mo- most nowadays. of it's most of it's the vegan leather that they're talking about. Anyway, very few car companies. I mean. Lamborghini and so on and so forth. They actually use, you know, skin. Um, it's because you're paying for it. But you're paying for it. You're talking about such a small market. It's not like people are going out and buying, you know, multi-million dollar Lambos left and right. So uh, well, you're not. Huh, no, I'm not. No, I just, just the one. Get on my level, man. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. How does the other half live? My bad. Jeez. Come on, one percent. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think social media, as far as you know, over overdoing it, yeah. I think I think big time, but again, it's it's from the news articles. I mean, but it, I, I was curious to to say though, and I think the reason every news organization does this is they keep reminding us because again, I think because because we forget. I mean, today I had in my news article. I think there's just so much crap out there that's so horrible that we forget about it. I mean, it popped up it popped up on my news feed today that oh, you know, the video of that the guy that went into the elementary school and killed his wife yeah. with the kids there. I totally forgot it happened just a couple months ago, and that's because there's so much that happens in our our little bubbles that we just can't process it all. I totally forgot that there was a if you want to, it, it was a school shooting, um, but like I totally forgot it happened until it popped back up on my feed. Right. So I think I think sometimes it's good that it does pop up. I'm I don't know about the whole PETA thing because it's not something I'm interested in. Yeah. But I I think that's why they, I think that's why they do it. It's just shock value, just to get you to, oh, there's blood, let me look at that. 
It's just like anything with the you know fights, you know fighting or even yeah police brutality, anything like that. It's just to get to grab your attention. Yeah, but it does. It's amazing how fast it disappears. Yeah. I mean, until the next next one happens, and it's well, this just happened a couple well, like months Ebola. ago. And... Whatever happened to Ebola? Like all of a sudden, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Just like vanished. we're all just better from it. I, it's, and then, it's fear-mongering. That's yeah, all it is. It's, well, it's the same after any shooting. Then you have the Second Amendment right or, you know, the NRA fighting, everybody you know, in everybody and their moms. Literally. Um, oh, no, we need, we need stricter gun control. We need this. We need this. And then it slowly disappears. We don't hear about it anymore. That, well, you see, you notice, too, how now that... Obama is not president. Like I guess it depends on where we're, where the country is leaning politically too. Because like we're people aren't reporting as much on like school shootings, Second Amendment issues, stuff like that, freedom of speech, because they're all worried about trash talking the I, the president. So you get less of. It depends on what the media is interested in. So well, it depends that's on what people be, are going to read. Yeah, and people are going to read the stuff that has the most shock value. Exactly. Yeah. They want everybody wants. But it, the bad, you know, the bad stuff. They don't want to. Nobody wants to read about, you know, kittens and puppies. Everybody wants to know the dirty. Well, it depends on know. kittens and puppies if they're yeah. vicious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody's depends on how horrible. The kittens, I'm sure somebody will read it. Somebody made mutant kitties in their basement, and they're going around dun, killing. Dun, dun, dun. But I, another good example is look at after the school shootings. You didn't hear mass protests for oh, we need gun, you know, gun control and gun violence. Yeah. What was the difference in that shooting? I mean. Kids lost their life. You know, a human. You know, three. I think it was three, three human pe- beings, and then one was seriously injured. Yeah, it's two. Um, yeah, there was the, the, two the, deaths. But one and three the, deaths. The, one of the kids passed away. Oh, I wasn't counting him. I guess. Yeah. Because he. Could well, he doesn't count. I don't think pass, so. You know, he kind of brought it on him. It doesn't count as a victim. But, but where was yeah. the? What was the outrage there? Well, the outrage stopped after it was found that oh, he was an estranged husband. Oh, the school staff let him through the front door. Well, where was the calls There was for... no technical break, broken law until yeah. they started killing people. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, well, actually, technically, when you bring a gun onto a campus, that is illegal. But oh, that's... no. We need stricter because gun-free zone. That it, I just but didn't... Even though it was a gun-free zone, the door, it, exactly. it doesn't make sense, though. No guns allowed. Uh, okay, sorry. Let me take them all out. All right. But where's, where's the, where was the political calls for change on that? There is once it was found that, oh, it was the school staff that let them through. Oh, okay. No big deal. But what... Where's the outrage? Well, it didn't suit an agenda, so there was no outrage. You couldn't call oh, for gun control. He was mentally ill and he still had access to a gun. Well, he's former military. Okay, well, that's okay. We don't... I think we're, I think we're, fa- we're afraid of mental health in this yeah. country. I mean, we just... We don't want... It's hard to address. Know, we, just, we just go around making Netflix shows about people who kill themselves and we're, we, we make it into entertainment. Hey, that's your agenda, yeah. sir. Hey. That was <laughs> Well, you know, since you brought that up, I find it interesting. So mental health... Our way is throwing pills at it and, you know, and like for like, you know, San Francisco, you know, they had all these, these parents whose kids had jumped off of a bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. And it wasn't, you know, oh, hey, I wish there was help for my son. I wish, I wish there was a hospital that he could have went to to seek help and gotten better. It was, no, we want funding to build a multi-million dollar suicide net so people can't kill themselves there. Wait, so what did we totally miss? Yeah. We didn't... We're not fixing the problem. We're just trying to... Yeah. It's... Made a giant trampoline for people. Yeah. That's, that's realistically... I'm jump on a giant trampoline. Oh, I don't, it'd probably <laughs> hurt. But that's our, that's our thing with mental health. That's, you know, that was the call to change. And I mean, social media... Where was social media's upright about it? Like, oh my God, we're... 
In fact, the only thing I hear on social media is like how great the 13 Reasons Why was. That's a horrible thing, by the way. It, like, it, it, it totally, like, you know, it's I actually, absolutely awful and nobody should actually, so I, who really is thinking about something like that should ever watch it. So I, I, know, I, it, yeah, it's, it's awful. I brought that up at work and um, one of our, my coworkers was really, in the, you know, she was like, no, it was, it was a good show being somebody that went through that. I think it's totally relatable. Um, but then I, I just got to that point where I had talked to you about it, and I was totally on on point with you that some people that are going through it, you know, being younger, are going to see that, and they're going to think that's the path you go down. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've just heard about it. That's the easiest, fastest way. It's oh, okay. our, our like I, I think I was telling you this yesterday. After after Kurt Cobain died, they did a study. And it showed that ther- uh, more teenagers were seeking therapy over suicide, like suicidal thoughts than, e- than you know, ever before. Like there's a, a spike because it was being thrown out into the news as, as the media was completely oversaturated with it. And no one had ever talked to them about these issues before. So that you, you're making this show and you're, it's basically targeted to teenagers saying like, you know, hey, we're doing this to raise suicide awareness. No, you're not. You're doing this to to entertain people like you're turning a serious mental health issue into a, a a show basically to entertain to make money the guy that wrote the book he based it off someone else's alleged experiences like he had never experienced this himself so like when i was in high school i was severely depressed i, I made the rounds through therapy i took i tried the medications but I, at the end of the day like i wouldn't want someone to come up to me and say hey so i watched this netflix show and it taught me empathy so I want to know if you're okay. Like, I wouldn't want that. Like, and their empathy is going to end the moment that the credits roll in that show and they go back to watching Gilmore Girls or Full House. They're going to completely forget about what they watch. So it's like... But the people who aren't going to forget about it are, are the, the kids that are, who, <coughs> who are struggling that with experience that. It. Who are yeah. watching that's, this. But that's, that's our way of dealing with mental health. Well, let's make a satire out of it. Yeah. And what of the what of the people who, uh, who identify with Hannah Baker, like with... With what she's doing, what she went through, they're going to be like, "Oh, well, the inevitable conclusion here is I need to kill myself." So it's like nothing's going to—it's it's not going to fix itself. I can't fix it, so I'm going to end it now. It's super well, dangerous mentality. Well, and that goes back—that back goes back to social media. I mean, if a lot of this, a lot of dealing with mental health mm-hmm. is on social media. Is you know finding a group you can relate with and and so on and so forth. But then you find nasty bits of social media too, and it's almost as bad as being you know some of these kids are at high school junior high and they're getting bullied or whatever they may be and that's why they're dealing with the issues they're dealing with as far as suicide and then you go on social media and it can be just as bad yeah i mean some of the stuff that comes up it's it's super depressing and there's like there's times where <laughs> i've talked to kelly and i said you know i i love our son very much and you know i'm glad he's a part of our life but like sometimes this world is just so crazy yeah what kind of person was i what was i when i brought my son into this world to you know, be here. Right. Um, and it's it's sad to say that as a parent. I mean... The thing is, is you shouldn't raise your kids to stand, you know, to withstand the darkness. You should raise them to be better than what, what it but is some, now. It's not about... Right. But some know. kids do have those mental health issues where they can't... They, they can't just be independent, They you know, strong-willed. Especially when you're in, you know, an adolescent and you're just learning about the world and you're trying to figure it out and you have these people that come along and put you down... I mean, I wonder no, how many. No, no, I know, but I wonder. Is... I wonder how many people have gone up to like their parents or their friends, and you know, I'm really down, and I've been thinking about suicide, and it's you know, as a parent, mostly. I wonder how most of these parents just say, "Oh, come on, you're just," or they tell them to go to therapy, or like they don't actually want to 
deal with the problem. Deal with it. Be, they, be, they don't actually be a parent. They want to push them off on somebody else. But Yeah, because I think as parents, we all think that, you know, our kids are perfect. Yeah. And they're going to be okay. You know, I was okay when I was a kid, so he'll be okay. And I think... I think that's just our way of sidestepping it. Oh, hey, mom. And, you know, and, and kids are getting social media accounts at younger ages. I right. mean, eight, nine, ten years old, you shouldn't be on social media yeah, at right, that right. account. And and that's where it starts. That's where look at all the violence you're seeing from PETA. Well, now these kids are going to grow up to be like, oh, my gosh, we can't ever hurt an animal. We can't. I, I watched a video of this, like, three-year-old saying, mommy, I don't want to eat chicken anymore because it hurts the chickens. I don't want to eat eggs anymore because it hurts the eggs. You need that. Yeah, you're, well, you're gonna you be. You're, you're, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to eat a plant because yeah. you know the poor plant's gonna be screaming while I'm cutting it up. Because uh, Peta did that whole autism dairy thing. They mm. did. Did you see that? I, I heard about it. I didn't actually and like. It. It comes down to causation versus correlation. You can make statistics say pretty much anything you want. Right. There is everybody. Let's see. Listening to Justin Bieber music will make you younger because, statistically speaking, younger people listen to Justin Bieber. Sweet. No, no, no. no. <laughs> the fountain of use. Time to start downloading some more beads. I believe. I mean, some but beads. So that's correlation versus causation. Those are two things that are connected, but they don't really have anything to do with each other. Right. So, yeah, pe- more people were getting diagnosed with autism, and people or people that drank milk got diagnosed with autism. Well, people that drank water got diagnosed with autism. Does water cause autism? No. That, that, that's an interesting point. That's like, you know, if you, if you were to say, hey, the sky is green and you kept saying it enough times, you got enough people to say it, eventually people are going to be like, mm, maybe blue is just another shade of green. Exactly. Yeah, it's a different that. shade of green. Yeah. It's just, and people don't actually think anything past that because like you guys were saying, everybody just wants like the most basic information they can get. Right. And that's where they're going to go with. Right. But it's not... Yeah. It's not accurate, and it's it, the people that suffer are the ones that need the help. Mm-hmm. You know, because now everybody's more concerned about going vegan than helping that you know helping the people that are actually suffering from autism. Because you know, milk's bad, so we're going to go off to the dairy farmers, and everybody should be vegan because because it, it hurts the chicken. Right? It, it's, it does. It's well, ridiculous. It's, it's the same as yeah. when PETA shows like you know a, a dairy farm where they're you know beating up the cows and. Oh. You shouldn't drink dairy and in it, and it makes you stop and think. It's like, okay, well, what about the poor that's... almonds? Yeah, what? <laughs> the, the trees, what? man. The soy. But, <laughs> but what you're not, but what you're not seeing is okay. Well, that's not every dairy farm. Yeah. I mean, you're trying, was... you're trying to get us to make an assumption. Okay, if you want to tell us which farm it was, I'll make sure that my milk doesn't come from there until they clean up there. That's fine. When but go don't to... go around trying to change an entire population to fit your agenda. Yeah. Because think about it. If we all did what Peter told us to do, and we stopped doing all their where would they be? What would they would what, what would they have what to? They yeah, be doing? They, what would they be doing at that point? Because well, there's no longer an agenda to push. Look, PETA PETA is now non-existent. Well, what comes along next? The opposite of PETA? Do they or does PETA become you know? Hey, we're going to be anti-PETA. No, you need to eat pets and <laughs> an organization yeah. that tells you you need to eat animals. You go in you the backyard. You sorry, go in the backyard can't. and eat your pet their, cow. Their fear-mongering videos would just be a bunch of like sheep frolicking across a hill. <laughs> the same is like you know look at Greenpeace you see these I saw these videos of these guys climbing Russian oil um, derricks out in the Arctic and I'm just sitting there I'm like yeah but these are the same, probably the same guys that are pumping gas into their car to drive around right Greenpeace <laughs> had a very weird article up uh, this is a couple few years back um, they said that when your pet dies 
you need to eat it because it's better for the atmosphere than if you were to bury it in the backyard and let its its decaying uh, body release. That's that's nonsense because where we buried our cat in the front yard a couple months ago, there is some great grass growing. There. <laughs> that's nonsense. I can tell you right now. And the Amazon box I put it in is degradable, so it's going to go right back into the earth. Caring about the environment. That's right. I don't know about those inflatable like plastic things they keep, you know, to keep your stuff from getting broken. I put that in with her like it's a pillow, so I don't know if that'll that's be not, That's not biodegradable. So <laughs> that'll be in the lawn. Yeah. You know, somebody, that'll come up. But I find that nonsense. <laughs>